Hey, this is 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. This recording is for May 9th, 2020. What follows is the, uh, the service that we had at the building. God bless. the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles. For they heard him, excuse me, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we are so grateful to be here today. And um, we just, uh, it feels strange, Lord, um, praying in public without a mask on. Um, and I just, I thank you for all the little things you've done for us, Lord. Um, the way things have um, just continued to open up. And I pray um, uh, just your blessing on those who still, um, mourn uh, those that are still suffering um, in many parts of the world. Um, I pray that we can just um, remember those that are still working hard. Um, God, I thank you so much for this, uh, this gathering, um, the ability to worship you, to, to sing songs and hear songs, and to, um, to come before you and, and, and bring you our prayer, our needs, um, and things that, we, um, that are on our hearts. God, help us to focus now on your will and your kingdom. I pray that um, everyone here can be encouraged um, and to find uh, new ways that they can serve you. Lord, I thank you so much for the scripture we read um, just now, and I, I pray um, just a, a special thanks that you have um, what you've done for all of us. And I, I thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Psalm 98. In Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness, righteousness to the nations. He has seen the salvation of our God. I'm sorry. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the song, 
sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he has come to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and, and the peoples with equity. Bow with me if you don't mind. Lord, I found it hard to not literally shout. Um, thank you for the joy that you bestow upon us. Lord, I know that uh, we go through a myriad of emotions all the time. And the beauty of it all is that you are there with us. Through the ups, through the downs, through the mediocre, through the, the confusion of where we don't even know where we're at. You were there. We thank you for your presence. We pray, Lord, that your presence will be with us throughout this week. That you will help us share your presence with those around us. That you will mend relationships. You will heal the hurting. That you will bring joy. You will share love. And that we may be your hands and your feet and your vessels to share all of this. We pray this in your name. Amen. It's really good to see everyone this morning. As a reminder, next week will be somewhat unique. I will not be preaching, delivering the message next week. Our three elders will do that together as they report to us, um, uh, report back to us after our time of discernment over the last year and a half or so on, on a number of things, but including uh, thoughts on gender roles and things of that nature. So the three of them will be doing uh, the message next week. And also next Sunday night, we will have an evening service. Now, we haven't done that in a long time, right? But we'll be doing our senior night to celebrate Lily and DJ. And uh, we're really excited about that. That's going to be a neat time. Um, I'm going to talk to some of those who don't yet feel comfortable coming inside of it. That will be in here, and we'll probably have a Zoom option or something like that for those that kind of want to connect with it from home or something. We'll still look on that, but we want as many people as possible to be able to celebrate uh, Lillian DJ. It's a really exciting time. It's graduation season, right? Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and it's on the inside of the bulletin, and if you'd like to stand with me for the reading, you're invited to join with me in the bold section if you would like. It won't be our only scripture this morning. We'll have several scriptures, so you'll probably want to keep a Bible handy as we go through the message this morning. This is John 15, 9 through 17, the words of Jesus. <clears throat> As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends together. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This reading comes on the night that Jesus was betrayed, just moments after they partake of the Last Supper together, the Passover meal. And Jesus' message to them at this time is this, actions speak louder than words. The time, have talk, the time of talk has ended, and it is now time to walk the walk. Uh, to put it in, in further jargon, right? This is time to put up or shut up. It's time to get about what the mission has always been. He impresses upon them at this key juncture that I know you've been following me, I know that you've been listening, but it's about to get really hard and you need to step up to the plate about what has happened. Now, it's an intimidating call. And as we know, they're not in the short term gonna live up to it. He's encouraging them that the power to live up to this call comes from being connected to the vine. That was the beginning of the chapter that we looked at last week. But he tells them, let's be clear. Discipleship is not just about what we say, it's also about what we do. In fact, the emphasis is on what we do. Before going through this reading verse by verse, it reminded me of a parable of Jesus that I think illustrates it really well. This is Matthew chapter 21, 28 through 32. Matthew chapter 21, 28 through 32. This is the parable of the two sons. And this is very much what I believe Jesus has in mind here. When he's, he's going through this description in John 15, Jesus says, what do you think? There's a man that had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus' emphasis there being one person says it, but doesn't do it. One person doesn't say it, but then goes back and actually does it. And the one that is pleasing to the Father is the one that follows through and actually does it. Now I believe that is the emphasis of what Jesus is talking about in this passage in John 15. So let's go through this verse by verse. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. In this passage, Jesus says the word love nine times. And this is where I'll spend the majority of my time, and then I'll go quickly towards the end of the, the passage. But I want to look at this word, love, because it's a word that's admittedly very overused in our society. And we use it for any number of things, right? Um, today is Mother's Day, right? And I can say, I love my mother, but I can also say, I love coffee. <laughs> and hopefully those two things are on the same level, right? 
So we use this word in a variety of ways, and what do we really mean when we say the word love? You've probably heard this before, from the Greek language of the time. <clears throat> there were four words uh, that they might use for love. Sorge, which was kind of a, a familiar love, this is kind of a family love, this is very much like a, like a parent-child type of love. There was phileia, which was friendship love, brotherly love. We think of the city of Philadelphia, right? City of brotherly love. And it's, uh, you probably think of your good friends and your buddies and stuff. There was eros, which is, is romantic, sexual love, right? And you can think of words that uh, cognates of that in, in our language. And then there was agape love, which is unconditional type of love. And it is love that denotes itself primarily from a long-term, covenantal, unshakable commitment. This is agape love. And it's very different. It's very different from other forms of love, both in that culture of its time and in our culture today, because it's a love that is not based on circumstances, and it's not based on whether or not you even like the other person. Right? Have you heard this before? I love them. I'm just not sure that I like them right now. And you're like, whoa, how can you love someone that you may not like in those circumstances, right? Um, that's, that's, the, that's the sense of agape love. You probably heard this expression that uh, the winners write the history books. And you might have also heard the expression, he who controls the dictionary controls the world, right? And what we see a lot of times in our culture that if you can control the terms, there's a lot of power that comes with that, both good and evil. And we see a lot of uh, confusion in our culture where, and you probably see this all the time, you see people talking over each other um, because they're not using terms the same way. I think it's very important for us when we talk about love from a Christian perspective to be using the word the way Jesus used the word, and to use it the same way. So frequently, someone will come ask me about something, and I'll say, could you define what you mean by that? Because I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing, like all the hot-button issues in our world. Like, what do you think about this, JP? And I always like to say, what, how do you define that? And then we can have a conversation now that we have a working definition together. So what is the definition of the word love, at least from the Bible? Well, one thing it is not, love does not necessarily mean agreement. Agape love does not necessarily mean agreement. I mean, it can include agreement, but that's not a fundamental, essential aspect of the definition of the word love. And we see that a lot in our world, on all kinds of sides. This notion of, if you love me, you will agree with me. If you don't agree with me, you must not love me. So you see a lot of times when people are disagreeing and someone will stand and say, hey, can't we just love each other? And you're like, well, yeah, we, I think we are. We're just kind of disagreeing. Like, they're not necessarily the same thing. Once again, love can include agreement, but it doesn't have to include agreement by the fundamental sense of, of the word. Think of it this way. Think about God's love for us. What we learn in this passage and throughout the Bible is that God loves us unconditionally with agape love. You think God agrees with us? <laughs> I mean, I sure hope God doesn't agree with me because I've said some wicked things, I've done some wicked things, and I've thought some wicked things. And that was just last week, right? I hope God does not agree with me. And yet, I'm counting on the fact 
that God loves me. Think of the parent-child relationship. Parents should love their children unconditionally, but do parents always agree with their children? And many of you would say, no, good parenting is, is not agreeing with them sometimes and saying, no, you can't have three bowls of Cocoa Crisp on your way out to school, right? I don't, sorry, Brad, okay, but like, I, I disagree with you. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth about that. So love does not necessarily include agreement. So what is love? Love is unconditionally putting someone else above yourself in the name of God. Love is unconditionally putting the other person above yourself in the name of God and to the glory of God. I love how Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians 13, which is not the Valentine's Day reading as much as we use this sometimes. But this is, a, this is to us to practice it to each other. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is how the Bible defines the word love. An agape love is unconditional love. And once again, it's putting others above ourselves unconditionally in the name of God. And it's important that for the Christian, right? We don't need to try to enforce this on other people. But for the Christian, God decides what word means. God um, gives us our dictionary on how to use words. Continuing on in verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Once again, actions speak louder than words. And how do we know that we love God? Do we do what God says? That's how we know that we love God. How do we, how do we see ourselves as a follower of Jesus? Now, frequently, um, we can say, oh, what? What denotes a follower of Jesus? And we have a list. And our list may not be the same, right? And a lot of times it's a list of if you intellectually assent to this, if you intellectually assent to this, or if you believe this, those things are all important. But in this specific case, what Jesus says here, you are one of my followers if you do what I say. And we need to realize that that is challenging in this world because doing what Jesus says does not fall into the prescribed categories of how life is divided up in America in the year 2021. Because life in America in the year 2021 is divided up into various forms of ideologies, the various forms of partisanship, and doing what Jesus says does not neatly fall into all the prescribed categories. So if you go out there and you try to do what Jesus says, just know it's going to be like Old Testament exile. Like, we're never going to feel completely comfortable because your life will never completely fit in with the categories of this world. Now, there will be some groups that you're more similar to than others, for sure. And we should be very shrewd and make partnerships when we can for the good of all. 
but our lives will not neatly fit the prescribed categories. I mean, think about it. If you do, if you follow Jesus' teaching when it comes to peace, nonviolence, reconciliation, you will not neatly fit into the categories of this world. If you follow Jesus' teachings on money, greed, unselfishness, poverty, you will not neatly fit into the categories of this world. If you follow Jesus' teachings on sex, holiness, and marriage, you will not neatly fit into the categories of this world. And if you follow Jesus' teaching on the fact that every single life has sanctity, that every single life has value, even the lives that various people groups in our world do not want to value, and that can go a variety of directions. And all life is sacred. And all life deserves justice. And we must be people that promote justice and work for justice. And that's not going to fit neatly into the categories of this world. Now, I'm mindful of the fact that Christians sometimes interpret Jesus' commands a little differently, right? And I'm not wise enough to decide how everyone else should interpret some of these things. But let's be honest. Jesus isn't that hard to figure out. Believe me, there are some complex parts of the Bible. I've spent a lot of years trying to study the Bible. <laughs> Still a lot of things I haven't figured out. Still chapters of the Bible I'm like, I don't know, you got me. Okay. But let's be honest, when it comes to the basic teachings of Jesus, it's not that hard. And let's be honest, our problem with Jesus is not understanding him, it's obeying him. That's our fundamental problem. And we do that in humility, but that's our fundamental problem. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And kids, I specifically want you to notice that the word joy follows the idea of obeying Jesus' teaching. Because I know that sometimes commands already just suck the joy out of the room. Okay? And yesterday was Saturday. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but probably a lot of people did family chores around the house. And your parents have rules about various things that need to be cleaned. And we think about commands, and already we're like, oh, sucks the joy out of it. But God's commands, Jesus' commands, it's good for us. Jesus' commands bring us joy, and Jesus' commands bring God joy. And think of it this way. All of us have learned to play an instrument at some time in our life, or we've watched someone else learn to play an instrument. In our home, we have people playing the violin and the piano, and every now and then I pull out the guitar, and not very good at it, but... Like, if you've ever learned an instrument or you watch someone else, you know that sometimes it doesn't always, it doesn't always sound good. But when you get to the point that you can play a song really well, even if it's just one song or even if it's a simple song with just three chords or whatever, right? When you get to the point you can play it, there's a smile that comes across your face. And Jesus is like the music teacher that says, hey, I love you unconditionally. Even when... The song is unrecognizable. <laughs> I love you unconditionally. But I want you to experience the joy that comes with playing the song the way it was meant to be played. I want you to experience the joy that comes with playing the song the way it was meant to be played. And that's a joy for others as well. And so when we follow Jesus' teaching, we are living the way we were intended to live, the way God created us to live. And it leads to joy. It's a beautiful song when we live that way. And it's not just joy for us, it's joy for others. It's not a burden. It's not something to resist, but it's something to embrace for our own flourishing and the flourishing of all people. 
Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. You know, in our path of discipleship, what we're trying to do is we're trying to emotionally and spiritually come to terms with how much God loves us. How much God loves us despite our sin, despite our flippancy, but despite our obstinance. We need to be people that frequently recognize our own sin. And we look in the mirror and we recognize our own sin. And then we embrace the fact that God loves us anyway. And then what do we do? We extend that same grace to other people. That's the rhythm. I find that people that struggle, well, let me talk about myself. When I'm struggling to show grace to other people, it's usually when I'm forgetting that God is showing me grace. But when I'm very much aware that I need the grace of God, I find that I end up showing other people more grace because I'm aware of how much I need it. And I think that's, that's the rhythm here. We know, we understand how much God loves us, and then we pass that on to others. That's what it means to love each other unconditionally, to put them above ourselves as God, as Christ at the cross, put us above himself, even though he, he was God. I was having a conversation with a student the other day that, that really made me think about this. So kind of a non-traditional student, 25, 26, and decided he wanted to go back to college. This was his freshman year. And um, very well read, spent a lot of time reading philosophers and was naming all these big philosophers that he had read. Spent a lot of time on social media, like really dialed into the conversations of the day. Very much estranged from the faith practice of his youth, but he's open. He's been reading the Bible more. He kind of ended up at, at, at Lipscomb University for a variety of different reasons. And uh, he's curious about something I said in class because... He sees a contemporary issue slightly different than me, and so we decided to meet together for a cup of coffee, and we're talking about this, and he wanted to know more about my thoughts. It's one of these contentious issues, and we agreed on a lot of things. We, we disagreed on some things, but what he was really troubled by, what he was really troubled by, his sister and one of his best friends are on opposite sides of this contentious social issue, and it's causing him a lot of anxiety. He didn't so much care about me, but his sister is one of his best friends on opposite sides of this contentious social issue and he's trying to love them both well but he's like well if i'm loyal to one does that mean i distance myself from the other and kind of wrestling with this and so i remember asking him i said uh, i said what do you think is essential for a healthy relationship i said what do you think is essential for a healthy relationship and if, if I was a betting man, which I'm glad I'm not, I'd be broke. But if I was a betting man, I would have bet the house. His answer was going to be love. Because we, we say that all the time as if love is some mic drop. Someone will just say, hey, we need love. You know, they walk off the stage. Okay. You know, half the time I'm like, yeah, but what do they mean by love? Anyway, he didn't use the word love. And that's what I was really drawn to. I said, what is essential for a healthy relationship? And he said, empathy. And I was really impressed with that answer. Empathy is the act of identifying with another's thoughts and feelings. Empathy is, I may not agree, but I see how you got there. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to seek to walk in your shoes. And if I can pause and I can walk in your shoes, I can say, wow, that must be really hard. That must be really, that must be really challenging. Or you can say, out of empathy, you can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you're going through. 
And see, the reason I love empathy is it's a descriptive way of, I think, getting at what agape love is. Unconditionally putting someone else above yourself and saying, because it doesn't necessarily imply agreement, but it says, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to walk in your shoes. I'm going to elevate you as a person because you're an image bearer of a holy God. And I'm going to say, oh, man, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And notice the word empathy. Identifying with those thoughts and feelings. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? When Jesus left heaven to literally walk in our shoes, we have an empathetic Savior. Hebrews says as much, I believe in chapter 4. Jesus empathizes with our situation and therefore calls us to empathize with others. Going quickly towards the end here, verse 13. Greater love has no one in this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. The basis of the relationship they had with him was a rabbi-apprentice relationship, a master-apprentice relationship. And they get to the very end here. And can you imagine? You get to the very end here, and he says, guess what? You're friends. You're friends. Because I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to ask you to do the same. Because a friend has an aspect of, of mutuality, an aspect of equality, where Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do. And because I've elevated you to the statue of friendship, I'm going to call on you to do the exact same thing. I'm going to lay down my life, but I'm not going to condescend to you and say, I'm going to do this, but you can't because you're not on my level, blah, blah, blah. And obviously we're not quite on the level of Jesus, but he says, we're friends. I'm going to lay my life down and I expect you to do the same thing for others. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Is that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. I find that a very intimidating part of the passage because it's like, oh, I'm very honored that we're now friends. And then it's like, ooh, this is what's expected of me. And at this point, it can get intimidating. And if you have any type of background with legalism, you can start to fill the walls, cave in. And you're like, oh, no, I can't live up to this. Like, I can't be perfect. I'm really overwhelmed. I'll never be good enough. And all that is true. So remember, at this point, the beginning of the chapter, we are connected to the vine. Of course, none of us can live up to this calling. But if we're connected to the vine, slowly the fruit will come, and it comes because of Christ. Last verse, this is my command, love each other. Let's not overcomplicate it. This is the command of Jesus, love each other. Is that the totality of the Christian faith? No. But is it the centerpiece of Christian practice? Absolutely. Let's love each other. Let's love God. Let's love each other. Let's love every person we meet with an agape, unconditional love of putting them above ourselves. I believe the other things, they're so important, but the other things will work themselves out. The other things will work themselves out. On this night, Jesus told them, now is the time to act. And he calls them to this high standard. And in the short term, none of them live up to it, right? Judas betrays, Peter denies, they all go running. But the good news is, Jesus loved them with an agape love. And he stuck with them, and he restored them, he ultimately sent the Holy Spirit. And the fruit that he asked for did happen, not because they were good, but because Jesus is good. 
and because Jesus loves them with an agape love. Jesus said that now is the time to talk less and act more. And we go out as God's people filled by the Spirit and remind ourselves that the old cliche is very true. Actions speak louder than words. I'm going to read uh, from uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 6 and uh, start with verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I tell you the solemn truth. The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that has come down from heaven so that a person may eat from it and not die. <clears throat> I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began to argue with one another, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Father, we can only thank you for your love. Praise to you for your unconditional love for us. And thank you to your Son 
who, in plain words, unlocked mysteries. Mysteries of you. It's that enlightenment that gives us peace in the knowledge that the Spirit dwells in us and gives us life. And the knowledge of the importance and the act of the sacrifice your son that draws all of your love together that gives us that life and we acknowledge that by remembering that by eating his body and drinking his blood we know that he is with us here now and will always be so in the name of the son we offer our thanks amen reading from 1st John 5 1 through 6 everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands in fact this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, 
Thank you so much for this wonderful day. We are so blessed to be able to come here and worship you together as a community. Lord, I come before you now to pray for those in need, the sick, the homeless, and those that are just, those that just feel alone, Lord, and I pray that you give them comfort and healing. And Lord, I come before you now to pray for how thankful we all are that you've blessed us for loving us unconditionally through our imperfections. Life hasn't been perfect, but the imperfections are what allow us to realize our mistakes so that we can work harder to be more like your son, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you most of all for the sacrifice of your son that ultimately forgave us of our sins. And in his name we pray, Lord. Amen. this week. I cannot remember the last week where we had absolutely no birthdays. We do have three anniversaries. Um, Dave and Christy are celebrating their 24th, which means I think with this one that they have been married over half of their lives, which is a pretty great milestone. Um, Mark and Shelley are celebrating number five, and Danny Ray and Nancy are celebrating number 17. Um, so let's celebrate with those families this week. Uh, we do ask that, as JP has already mentioned, that you guys come back and join us next Sunday night for Senior Night. There's going to be a slideshow. There's going to be some blessings. Uh, we're not entirely certain what the rest of it's going to look like, but I think that we'll have it figured out by the time we get up here. Um, so please join us for that. On May the 20th, uh, the Ladies Book Club is back, and in the Sternbergs' backyard, they're going to be reading and talking about The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. Um, also, mark your calendars for Paddle Day. It's coming back. That's been a fan favorite. I just saw a fist bump pump back there. It's a fan favorite. We're going to be at Cowshell Pike on Sunday, May 23rd, from 1.30 to 4.30. Uh, we got lots of kayaks. We've got lots of life vests. So if you don't have a personal flotation device, that's fine. We'll have plenty. Um, the Wednesday night gathering is going to be back at the Conway's backyard this next week. So from 5.30 to 7, we're going to be hanging out. We'll sing a couple of songs. We'll have a devotional thought. Um, please, bring, please bring some food to eat. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on the very back of the bulletin that is coming up for the summer and the rest of the year. I'm excited to see that list of things growing. Um, a couple of things that I did want to make sure and point out. Uh, Nashville Work Camp. So if, you're, if your child has finished the sixth through 12th grade, those applications were supposed to have already been in, right? Okay, so just make sure you keep that in your prayers. Um, that's something that we didn't get to do last year, um, along with the hundreds of thousands of other things we didn't get to do last year, so we're excited to have that back on the calendar. Um, also, the bus trip to Birmingham to uh, visit the Civil Rights Institute on June the 26th. Make sure you put that on your calendars. And I'm super excited to see church camp back on the calendar for June 25th through 30th. 
and that's going to be for our students that have finished the third through the twelfth grades and also those of us who just love going to camp more than the kids do. Um, so just take a look at that list of things. Uh, also, we've got a whole bunch of people that we want to keep in our prayers. Um, Mary Ann did get a really good report back from her, uh, her doctor this week. Um, so we are super thankful that, uh, that we got that report. Um, is there anything else that we need to, to add or JP? Anna Marie, I think, knows more about this than me. But um, sadly, you know, Bodie's mom has been sick with cancer, and they're calling it hospice. And Bodie's going down to Jacksonville to be with her. Anything, Anna Marie? Has? I know Bodie would appreciate the text or this encouragement, the prayers, um, but it's it's obviously weighing on him a great deal. Okay. And I, I don't think it's raining yet. Do we have, are we going to do one more, Larry? No, I just go to class. All right, Larry says we're just going to class. So uh, we're dismissed. <coughs> That's tremendous power you have, Larry. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.